Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Episode 85 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. Uh, I'm Gary, as always. Uh, I haven't changed, and uh, i got my <laughs> partner here, Byron. How are you, Byron? Hey, Gary, I'm doing good. Awesome. Staying That's busy. great to hear. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, what, what have you had going on there, Byron? I know I haven't been able to get a hold of you lately. I've yeah. Just been... uh, uh, I'm moving, so oh, not, man. not all that far, and not, you know, nothing crazy, but... Uh, in in uh, my life's kind of uh, up in the air, you know. Stuff is in between houses, and, and one of the last things to go is the computer. So uh, I figured we could do one more uh, episode at this old location, and then uh, I'll pack it all up and hopefully hook it all up again. We'll move yeah. to a new recording studio. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say we have an awesome show today. Uh, we have a great guest today, uh, James uh, Papalo. Uh, he's going to be here and. Uh, I know we kind of give you a little hint last week, but uh, it's a, a funny yet uh, very informative uh, interview. He's a he's a funny guy. He he kept us on our toes, and uh, he had us laughing numerous times. Yeah, I'm just amazed that he's the interview starts with him like joking around. Like everybody, I think I don't think we do the hardest interview in the world. You know, we usually have fun, but. Um, but he was so relaxed and just having fun with it. It started off with like him making jokes about things, and and uh, it just got better, you know. Good times. We were uh, as he started making the jokes, we we're looking at each other like, man, this is going to be a great interview. This is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're already looking forward to getting him on again and uh, on a future date. Definitely. Gary, we do have. If somebody wants to support the podcast here, um, we have an audiobook available for sale, eleven ninety nine. You'll find the link to it on the show notes or on the website bjjbrick.com. The audiobook is called "Your First Year in BJJ," and uh, really just trying to help uh, new students uh, go th- go through their first year and get the most out of it as possible. And it's a great way to support the show. and And so far, it's helping cover helping to cover the cost of like media hosting and and all the other uh all the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes of a podcast so yeah definitely we're not in this to make a million dollars we're not in this to make a dollar uh but it would be nice to uh i know byron puts out a lot of his own money there to for the stuff and it'd be nice to uh uh make that a little bit easier but uh as always, Byron's a great teacher. He's taught me a lot, and he can really uh, help you through your your first year of jujitsu. It's a great little roadmap to uh, help you through the peaks and valleys. Yeah, I'm not I'm not opposed to to making a, a buck here or there, but uh, coming up on two years on the podcast, it'd be nice to start breaking even. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, it looks like we're starting to get there, Gary. So uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, that's that is a that's a good note, and we do appreciate every. You know, I I get an email uh, when we when we do sell a book, and I get like it's like all right, like a pat on the back, you know, somebody giving us some positive support. And and if you don't want to get the book, you'd also send us an email at our uh, uh, brick at gmail dot com or hit us up on Facebook if you have any comments. Yeah, we'd love to hear the comments. We'd love to talk to everybody and uh, email everybody. It's neat to hear what you guys think. Uh, 
positives, even negatives. We like to hear negatives. We want to get better. It's just like jujitsu. So if you think there's anything we could do better, let us know. Uh, if you know anybody that we should interview, let us know. Uh, or even if it's yourself. Uh, we've had some people do that before in uh, uh, great interviews. So we're always uh, looking for new and interesting ideas uh, that will help everybody who's listening. Yeah, if you if you're able, we we haven't we're not able to get everybody who wants to be on the show on the show. But uh, if you've got some uh, interesting ideas and, and and you're excited about a few different topics about jujitsu, hit us up and we'll see what we can do for you. And especially if you're a female jujitsu person, we've been um, trying to attract some females to the show, and I'm not sure if they think we're creepers or what. <laughs> but, uh, we just want to have a cool interview. I'm, I'm reminded of. Uh, my, you know, getting shot down as a, as a young single guy, I, I send out emails to various female athletes, and uh, I don't get a lot of responses, unfortunately. I don't know what the deal is. So if you have a connection, uh, uh, let us know, and we'd be happy to contact her and, and get her on. You know, it's it's been a little bit challenging uh, to try to get some female guests, and I know that our female listeners would definitely appreciate that, and the male. It's, it's always interesting to uh, get both perspectives. But... Uh, Gary, with two with two guys like us, with our uh, with our subtle good looks, is how I, I'm describing our good looks. Gary is subtle. Have you seen my new haircut? No, it's definitely not subtle good looks. Is it is it uh, hidden good looks or what? What do we got here? I don't know. I shaved my head and uh, everybody's been laughing. <laughs> oh man! So I don't think that was a very good idea. Well, it'll grow back. Uh, most of it will, Gary. Uh, well, that's what I figured, that. except for the. The line around the top of the head where people put me in headlocks when they got side control. That doesn't grow back. No. Yep. That does not grow back, my friend. All right. Well, let's get on with our quote of the week. We have PJ Wakus uh, delivering the quote. So here we go. Helsing Gracie said, um, you know, the big, strong, tough guy goes to class and he keeps getting tapped by the skinny technical guy. So it begins to change him. It makes him humble. Uh, that's what jujitsu does to you. It makes you humble. And, um, uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, it's uh, it's a big part, and I think that that's the uh, that's a big learning experience that everybody has to go through because there's always somebody who's better than you who's much smaller than you are. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it forces you to uh, to admit that. I mean, there's no yeah. there's no gray area there. It's either you tap or you don't tap, or, or you get absolutely. Yeah, but just yeah, you, 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 there comes a, uh, a a moment of clarity for people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I find that that it kind of transfers over to off the mat. You know, I'm I'm yeah. more humble. I'm more accepting of my own failures off the mat uh, because I've failed so many times on the mat. It's just part of who I am. It's part of who everybody is. They fail sometimes. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my instructor Bonjourno said that uh, you know he said for as much as you guys you know think you're getting tapped. He said, the only reason why I'm a black belt is because I've been tapped, you know, so many more times than, than you guys have, uh, more times than you'll ever be able to think about. So, so that was PJ Wakus presenting the quote from Helson Gracie. The big, strong, tough guy goes to class, and he keeps getting tapped by the skinny, technical guy. This begins to change him. This makes him humble. Or that makes him humble. That's what jiu-jitsu does to you. It makes you humble. And that is so true. You think about when you first started. I can give an example. When I first started, I wasn't necessarily the the big guy, but I wasn't the little guy. I was kind of in between, but I worked out a lot. I thought I was in great shape. I thought I was strong. And I remember the first day I actually trained, 
there was a guy that was actually bigger than me, but he kind of looked like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Looked like he had no, <laughs> couldn't doesn't even look like he could run across the room. Looks like he he couldn't do a push up. And I just remember like, okay, I got paired with this guy when we first started rolling. I was like, okay, this I should be able to put him in a headlock and twist his head off. I'm thinking, and uh, I just remember just getting tapped out every which way possible um, with no effort whatsoever. And I just remember it's like, whoa, what happened here? And uh, that's what it does. I mean, you just you get tapped out a lot, and and it's good for you. It does make you humble, and like you said, it helps you not only on the mat; it helps you off the mat. We're all going to fail. We're all, and it, that's not failing. We all tried. We got in there. We. Uh, got tapped out it it happens and like what pj was saying about uh, uh his instructor that the only reason i'm a black belt i've got tapped out more times than you you've got to get in there you've got to put yourself in some bad positions you you're going to get tapped out and uh, that's how we're going to learn we're going to become humble yeah it's uh it's important as you said there getting tapped out is not failing it, it can sure feel like it, you know, depending on when it happens in your uh, career or in, in your jiu-jitsu uh, journey. But uh, look at it as, as a lesson learned and, and try to try to go from that. If it's just every day at class, you, know, you're, you quickly become accustomed to that, and, uh, and it's no big deal. But if it's at a point in time, you know, at a tournament, and, and you're really hoping to win, and, and you, and you uh, are able to give your best effort, and you get caught, or you just come up short um, – Try to to learn something from that. Try to pull something away from that, and uh, it will definitely help you grow and, and get better. And and many um, stumbles along the way of this journey. It's not a smooth road, jiu-jitsu. So, uh, <clears throat> great quote there. Yeah, that's true. And you know, you think about it, where you are today. You know, you've got twelve, thirteen years into this game, and so now you're kind of in the upper echelon, where you don't get tapped out like you did when you were three or four years in or three months in do you sometimes feel like you you wish you were back in that spot where you wish you could be the the bottom guy in the room because i know i do sometimes i'm just wishing that i was just in a room with a bunch of freaking lions that just uh could tap me out anytime they want it's i don't know sometimes i I do miss that it's weird to say that but i I wish i could be that guy who uh was at the bottom you say upper echelon. I think we're uh, this this uh, uh, lower upper. Uh, like, well, like I'm saying like upper the, echelon like upper of where yeah. we're at. I'm not saying uh, we're upper echelon people, but with the guys we train with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's, sorry for saying that. No, no, it's fun. I'm just making a joke, man. It uh, you know, like upper, lower, middle class, all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's a time that most white belts don't appreciate. Is that most people in the room can tap them out? It's it's a frustrating thing, and it. And it's, uh, but it's it's a time of like a crazy amount of growth. Like we'll never grow that fast again. True. Yep. So uh, you know, it's it's a bumpy road, but try to try to uh, acknowledge that you're learning a lot and that you're uh, that you're growing a lot uh, quicker than you will as a black belt. You know, now I'm lucky. I you know, you get half a dozen people in in the room that could give you a good uh, match, and and you get, may get caught once or twice in, in the evening. But but uh, the the days of you know the average blue belt kicking your butt every time man those were those are good days to, to those were the good yeah yeah i remember i'm not sure what guest it was but i remember we had a guest on here and they were talking about the three different types of training partners you needed you needed the the guy who uh 
who can uh, you you can just do anything you want yeah. and practice your, all your moves. Then there's that guy who's even with you, and you guys just go go at it. When you're done, you're both sweating. One day you may get him, next day he may get you, and then you also got to have that guy who uh, basically your instructor, <laughs> the guy who can put a beat down on you if he wants to, the guy who can. Uh, uh, basically tap you out pretty easily and it's it's nice when you have that you have a little bit of everything you can work your offense you can have a very very competitive match and then you can have one where you're just playing defense the whole time and playing catch up it's a i think that's a great way to learn there too yeah i i agree gary the uh the music is telling us that it is time for the article of the week my friend so let's keep uh keep the ball rolling or keep the uh Keep the ground game uh, in motion. Keep the grappler doing the forward rolling. Yeah, make till I get a headache. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we got a we got a good one for you this week. Um, it's from our, our buddy Ricardo again from Jujitology. Um, the article is "What Can the Stock Market Teach You About Jujitsu?" And uh, we're not here to, uh, uh, to talk about what stocks you should buy. We're here to talk about jujitsu. Yeah. So any any investment advice. Uh, that Gary and I dispense today uh, is to be taken. Uh, we're not professionals, so right, Gary, you got to say and that. We're not professional game. grapplers either. So, uh, <laughs> but Byron can sure teach you how to fight a fire. Uh, maybe you know, put water on that thing and try to uh, <laughs> hope it goes goes uh, it goes out quicker than it's growing. But uh, yeah, this is a, this, with the. He said he's, he's just reading a lot of books lately, and. Uh, and he's reading a little bit of financial books, and he's anytime you you kind of jump outside the world of jiu-jitsu and you try to make comparisons, usually it's not that hard, and usually you have a different perspective on what you're uh, thinking about jiu-jitsu. And he did that, you know. Stock market has ups and downs, and uh, when, when it's up, everybody's excited and they buy and they buy, and then and it starts to go down. And I've seen friends do this, you know, it gets down and they get depressed about it and they sell. Yeah. It's like, dude, you just sold a, a chunk of market that you're not going to get back, and you just had a huge loss on it. That's just wait a little while; it's going to yeah. come back. So uh, that's like the you know the classic uh, you know buy low, sell high. But most people can't really do that that well. They they yeah, buy high get, and sell it when it's low. Yeah, and like you said, you get emotionally invested. Yeah. So how does this uh, translate uh, by our friend Ricardo to Jisu, Gary? Well, you know, he just talks. Uh, you know, he, he talks about. Uh, he tries to experiment. Um, he talks about putting himself in, in bad spots, and um, he says he's got three reasons. Uh, first of all, it develops his defense. Secondly, it truly tests his ability to remain calm under pressure, which is very important. And last but not least, it allows him to win the emotional battle over the training partner, uh, opponent, when he can escape. And kind of what he goes on to talk about is is when he puts himself in bad positions, he he notices that. When he's on the bottom, um, which come the stock market, you're at the bottom. It's you know the bottom's dropping out. He's not using as much energy as that guy on top. And he's talking about the guy on top gasses out that much quicker. He knows that he's in a good position, thinks he can get any get finish the match, get a submission, finish the match, and he just goes all out just to finish it. And then he doesn't finish it, and next thing you know. He's got nothing left, and uh, uh, it's just kind of a cool comparison when he realized that the guy on the bottom is 
it's the guy working harder. Yeah, it, 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 the guy in the the bad position often does not get as tired as the person in the in the good position, and and this shouldn't be this way, but it's it's a common thing to see, and I've I've experienced this many times. I think the looking back, the most common things. Uh, I think when I was blue belt and below, maybe a little bit in the purple, I get a guillotine. And I get tired as I apply the guillotine. You know, you put effort and energy into that. And then you gas. And then the guy pops his head out. And um, as soon as the, the pressure's off, the person is fine. Like, yep. well, that did not work. And now I'm tired. Yep. And the same thing with uh, triangle uh, earlier on. You know, you, you you throw that triangle on. And it looks like it's good. And you you do everything. You, you throw it all into it. And they get out. And they immediately go to pass your guard because you're exhausted. And, you know, you're a step behind. So uh, those are two common ones, you know, and you do, I do see it in people get mount or side control and they, it's like, man, you are breathing harder than I am. You know, I, I say, Hey, you're in a good position. You know, they try to remind them that, uh, use that to your advantage. Yeah. And I like what Ricardo says, when you're in a good spot, remember you're in that good spot. This is the time to relax and work smart. I love that. Work smart to get a better position advantage in submission. So, uh, Remember where you're at. You always heard the old adage, position over submission. You got that great position. Work smart. Relax a little bit. Know where you're at. Uh, and then get moving. Yeah, here, here's a drill that um, that I like to do uh, sometimes just to mix things up is uh, start in a bad position. You know, bottom on mount. You know, bottom on a sexual. Someone on your back. And use minimal energy to try to defend yourself. And I'm talking like very relaxed. And let the person uh, use whatever energy, you know, whatever they want to do to try to finish you. And just try to try to not get tapped. And and I always when we do this, I say if you're not getting tapped at all, using too much energy. You should you should like right on that border of occasionally getting tapped and then trying not to get tapped, but really just staying relaxed. And if you get caught, that's fine. It's just part of the training, and it really helps you. Uh, see where that fine line is, which, where you could push and what you could wiggle out of, you know, and, and try not to freak out, you know, in that in that time that uh, that you're in a bad spot. Uh, that's a drill that I really like, and uh, I'm going to start doing that uh, oh, more. I used to do it quite a bit, and it's I've probably done it once in the past three or four months, but uh, I'm going to bring that back. Yeah, you've always been known for doing that uh, bad position drills. I, I remember when me, you, and few others would always work on Friday nights and that's what we do we put ourselves in bad positions and then I remember you were telling me you started this with your Friday night class there uh, you know doing the, as little energy as possible and and I just remember back from working with you and that really helped my game a lot and and I do feel like I'm a lot more comfortable when I'm in bad spots because of that I think that really really helped tighten my game up a little bit and uh, allow me to remain calm which will keep my keep my gas so when I do switch positions and and I can go into deeper waters yeah it's just a I think a helpful drill and it just reminds you that um, even if you're in a bad spot you could relax it's kind of I, I like this article it's a uh, it does shine the light on the fact that many times when you get a good position, you know, whether it be like a near submission or there's the a dominant position, um, if you're not careful, you could get pretty darn tired uh, yeah. in that position yeah. and then end up, you know. And there's nothing you. worse when you don't finish. You get tired, you don't finish. Next thing you know, you got reversed, you didn't finish, and he's in the great position then. And at that point, you just lost your heart. It's uh, You start mentally losing. You're tired, you're, you're mentally out of it, you just... Uh, you had a great position. You lost it. It's it's tough to recover. Yeah. So uh, check that out the article jujuology We'll put a link to it in the show notes or on the website there. Uh, our friend Ricardo. 
Yep, and definitely uh, also check out his store. He's got some uh, T-shirts on there, some awesome stuff, and uh, he's a great guy. And we've had him on before, so definitely uh, go back and check out his episode. Absolutely. He actually has uh, two because we uh, we got the talking and we, we talked to him for so long. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cut that thing in half and, and uh, got two episodes. So check out the first one first and then the second one, you know, after that. Or if it's opposite day. Hit the second one first, and then go to the first one. <laughs> I remember opposite day here. That's been a while, man. It's you don't have little kids, so uh, I'm still into opposite. Is day. that still a thing? That's still a thing. It, okay. It's timeless. I wonder why all the it's kids timeless. were calling me cool that one day, but uh, it must have been opposite day, man. All right, well let's let's hit up the interview yeah. with uh, James Popolo. <laughs> what do you think there? Let's get to the interview. All right, we'll get, we'll catch it in the show here. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He once wrist-locked an opponent and broke the guy's back. He rolls no-gi because he grips the skin better anyways. Cro-Magnum Man started walking upright after he got double underhooks on him. Some say keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I have choked all my friends and my enemies are nowhere to be found. Let the sweat times roll, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring James Popolo to the BJ Brick Podcast. James, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for getting on here with us. We're looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better and, and hearing about what you have coming up and, and what you've been doing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm excited to, to share some knowledge, and uh, yeah, it's a great way to uh, spend a Saturday morning, for sure. Yeah, James, we were just mentioned, we were just talking before we got on the air here. Uh, the proper pronunciation of your of your name, could you make sure we did that right? Yeah, it's uh, Popolo. Popolo. So, yeah, no, not Pope or Poop or anything like that. Pop, yeah, Popolo. <laughs> so uh, that's good to know, uh, get that up front here. For could sure, you, for sure. <laughs> could you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? If somebody hasn't heard of you yet, a little bit about like who and where you're from and what you do. Yeah, I'm a uh, black belt under Rafael Lovato Jr. Um, out in uh, a lot of people kind of think I'm out in Oklahoma, but I've been. Uh, I'm from Oregon. I've been uh, raised out here and I've lived in Oregon my whole life. So I'm kind of a, more of a remote student, I guess. I, I see Rafael a lot uh, when I travel out there, and when he comes out. Uh, yeah, just I have a running academy out here. I used to be a school teacher before that, and so I made the transition. I've been full time uh, jiu jitsu for the last two years. Yeah, just living the dream. I love teaching jiu jitsu. I love training. Been uh, trying to do my best at all these competitions and keep climbing the ladder. And I think this is really going to be a, a big year. So, hey James, uh, you mentioned you were a school teacher. Uh, what grade did you, did you teach and, and subject? I was a middle school math teacher, so yeah, sixth and seventh grade math. If you guys need help with any fractions, <laughs> anything like that, I'm your guy. So he's the guy to help us on the fifty-fifty guard, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, Gary. He'll break down the fifty-fifty. You know, fractions are are not so bad until you get to multiply and divide the things, and then I can't remember how that works yeah. out. So. Yeah, yeah. Neither can uh, any of the students I taught. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. What's the name of your school there? I'm in uh, Salem, Oregon. Uh, so it's Salem Kaiser Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So SKBJJ. Awesome. 
Hey, and uh, know you probably spend a lot. Of, I know you spend a lot of time on on the mat there. What do you like to do uh, off the mats to relax or just have fun? For sure, I've been uh, really now that I'm doing jiu-jitsu full time, been able to have more downtime. It's obviously still super busy running a business and trying to get that all off the ground and to where I want it to be. But off the mats, I do a lot of a lot of chilling, a lot of hanging out. Um, my wife. <clears throat> And I uh, are lucky, like I said, to live out here in Oregon. So lots of cool places to hike and uh, get to go to the city. We're about an hour from Portland, so I'll go up to Portland. We're actually going to go up there tonight and have some dinner and stuff. But I don't get too crazy. I just uh, I'm more of I'm kind of a uh, I don't have kids yet, but I'm kind of a family man. My family's close. My friends are close. <clears throat> so I don't really have too many big uh, hobbies. You know, I'm just kind of read. Like to spend time in nature and. Uh, walk and that sort of stuff but yeah just a lot of quality time with the, the people I love and do jiu-jitsu that's that's pretty much all I want to do so yeah you know I read that uh you used to play basketball in high school do you ever do you ever get on the court anymore <laughs> <laughs> those days are uh long long gone for sure. <laughs> I used to be really really into basketball uh throughout childhood I think there's actually a lot of parallels between basketball and jiu-jitsu I definitely feel like that same kind of when you're in the zone and you, you know you're hitting all your shots and your moves are linking well together and all that, it's actually it's kind of interesting. But I think there's a lot of parallels with with jiu-jitsu. But yeah, I was more of like kind of like a Dennis Rodman type player, like just grab rebounds and foul people and <laughs> hustle plays. I wasn't really uh, known for my finesse. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, no basketball anymore. My knees and my back and just spraining my ankle things like that i can't i can't risk now being full-time so that's probably another reason why i don't i don't do much other than jiu-jitsu because i want to try to keep my body in one piece as much as possible that's true yep (laughs) so i did did do some student staff basketball games when i was teaching (laughs) definitely mopped up those seventh graders (laughs) you know i could imagine if you were uh, still uh teaching today and uh you know with your background and all these kids seeing you on youtube and and all over uh, the internet, uh, any of these kids mouth off to you or don't do their homework. It's like I would definitely be doing my homework in your class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that wears off after a, a few uh, a few months of knowing someone. They, I don't think they I don't think they think like that anymore. But I'm sure <laughs> definitely uh, when I was first teaching, there was a lot of <clears throat> a lot of that where kind of like whoa, it's a big guy. But yeah, I think once they, I'm 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 pretty friendly, so they, I think they kind of. They get settled in. It's just uh, with kids, I definitely find the biggest thing is having high expectations. So I'm definitely more kind of quiet and I'm not a yeller or things like that. I've had people bring their kids to the academy and be like, you know, my kid really needs someone to kind of get in their face and do that sort of stuff. And it's like, that's eh, not that's that's not my style. And I, I don't think people really respond well to that sort of stuff. So I'm definitely more of a expectations and Jedi mind tricks type uh, <laughs> type teacher for sure. That's awesome. Uh, could you describe your uh, BJJ style or your game to our listeners here? My style, actually, I feel like is really, I mean, it's, it's always changing and growing, and I feel like recently I actually have a lot better idea of exactly what I want my jiu-jitsu to be, and I think it's really interesting, as I think as you, you go through more levels and you, you get higher and higher, in the ranks and more experience, I think you start, at least it's been my experience to start looking at kind of what do I want my, my game to say? What do I want to basically 
want my my jiu-jitsu to say about the art and what we're trying to do and obviously Rafael has been a huge influence on my game Shanji's been another person who's had a huge influence on my game and uh, one of my favorite things that uh, I've ever piece of advice I've had from Shanji in particular when he talked about you know the style of jiu-jitsu and thinking about jiu-jitsu is because I used to be really obsessed with just competition training and you know you'd turn the timer on so what you know whatever rank you are it's blue belt I'm going for six minutes balls out crazy you know and then you're you're done after the match and or seven minutes as a purple and so on during training and when I first started training with him he just no timer you know you might be training for 30 minutes straight an hour straight just just rolling you know just training and uh, that was a definitely a different experience for me <clears throat> and really changed my perspective that you know he kind of said you should be able to win in the gi, you should be able to win no gi. You should be able to win with IBJJF rules, ADCC rules, submission only. Uh, you know, whatever the the rule set should your jitsu shouldn't be so small that it only fits into that box and, and the rules really define it. So that was huge for my game, and I really feel like based on a lot of that, I, I'm really wanting. I want to have a very complete game. I work my takedowns a lot. I try to really seek out my weaknesses. Uh, I used to be only kind of a guard player, and so now I feel like I'd rather play on top. I really like pressure passing, trying to just be relentless with the pressure and just not give the you know opponent any any room, any uh, space to try to get out, and it's just eventually get to the mount and get the X choke or the arm bar. So I think for me, the more I go, the, more, the simpler I want my style to be, which is either sweep pass mount and finish or take down pass mount finish and that's kind of in the end what I, what I what I'm trying to really uh, do with my game so. so when you were confronted with that uh jujitsu for any different set of rules and and, and and thought of it like not a time limit but just you're just going to go roll and just train and is that kind of when you boiled it down to just having a real simple game to where you just have these few goals, sweep, uh, pass, and mount, and choke? Um, that that kind of game works for everything. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of rules you have. That's going to work great. Is that is that kind of when that happened for you? Yeah, I think that that's definitely, you know, as I, yeah, as I keep going, and I think probably right when I started really having a few years where I because I didn't start training with Rafael until – late into my purple and then I didn't make the switch to the team until I was a brown belt. So there was kind of a whole re-education that took place. And I think after a few years, that's kind of when it really sank in that, yeah, you know, when you look at a person like Shanji, Rafael or Salo, or, you know, even the greats in the past, Jacare, Hodger, Margarita, um, and even today, you have you have Adolfo Bushesha. You're talking about guys who have good takedowns, have a good guard, good submissions, good passing. Like you know, there's really not a whole lot of deficiencies. And I think that's really the I think the highest form of the game is really is yeah, being able to jujitsu. It shouldn't be condensed to where you can only win by advantage. You can only try to beat someone by stalling or doing weird things. I think there's too much of that that I see in the game, and I, it's not how I want to express my jiu-jitsu for sure. I think that, you know, coming from the samurai, you want to – I think that's huge for me when I think about jiu-jitsu is, that, you know, it's descended from the samurai and that you should keep thinking about finishing, right? You don't see two samurais meet in the forest and 
one tries to nick the other and run off. You know, it's, it's only one thing. You draw your sword, you, you go for the kill, and that's how I feel about when I'm trying to when I'm in a match. I'm gonna try to finish the guy for sure. And so I don't, I don't, I really, you know, I know I've been submitted in the past, but I don't, I don't have, uh, you know, I'd rather, I think a lot of me would rather be submitted than lose by advantage because I think that, you know, I, I, I want to go out there for the kill and, you know, kill or be killed, I guess. So that's, I like your example of the samurais. It reminds me of different like animals that will like fight for a mate. You know, some animals will fight basically to the death and, and, and some animals kind of do a dance and, and the winner of the dance wins, you know, it's like. <laughs> Like, what kind of an animal do you want to be? Do you want to be, yeah. you know? You don't want to, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, the whole idea of jiu-jitsu digressing, de, you know, the de-evolution into the 50-50 and things like that. I think that, you know, there's obviously, I, I would never condemn any position. I just think the whole thing, the only, the only time that jiu-jitsu is not very fun is when you can tell that there's not the intention to try to finish the fight. And when you run into guys who are not trying to finish the fight, um... I just, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I understand the gamesmanship, and I, I but I, I do believe there's way too many. I, I thought Solo had a really, really good quote. I talked to him after the Worlds last year, <clears throat> and uh, I lost to Hadolfo, and it was, you know, I would just, he's uh, really, you know, on a, on another level, and one than I was last year, and so, you know, I looked at that and was like, okay, uh, what am I going to be doing between now and next year when we fight again? And I had talked to Solo, and he watched the tournament, and he was looking at these matches, and he said, you know, I think there's a lot of people who want to win gold medals, but there's not a lot of champions. And I think that that is really, I, I really changed my mind as well, the, the distinction between being someone who wins medals and someone who is a champion. And I think you can see the difference when you see people step onto the mat, that there are some people who are really, like, representing the art very very well and i think there's other people who you can tell their only intention is to try to win which i respect because i like to win a lot but i think the the way you do it also matters yeah yeah definitely that that's awesome um you know we're talking a lot about training here how often do you train do you train multiple times a day or or this uh let's just hear your little training schedule yeah, my training schedule actually, I've just kind of synthesized everything. You know, it's had to change and adapt as I've kind of gone from when I started training jiu-jitsu was my freshman year in college. And obviously, uh, college, you have a little more free time than you do as you keep going. But uh, once I got a job and stuff, for right now, I've kind of condensed my training. I used to, I think my problem before was just trying to train too much. And now I, I actually train a little bit less, but I try to make it really efficient. So I'll train five double days, basically. So Monday through Friday, I'll do five sessions of conditioning. Uh, I guess, yeah, green strength, strength stuff. Uh, Luke Tyree handles all that for me. So I'll do a lot of kettlebell work, a lot of uh, pull-ups, stretching, just kind of conditioning with kind of a physical therapy vibe to it so that's five days a week and then uh it basically in the morning and then in the evening i do three days where i'll do jiu-jitsu and then one day judo one day wrestling so that's kind of how i break broken my schedule down most pretty much all of my sessions are about an hour and 20 minutes to an hour and a half and that's kind of come from some research that i've read uh in a book called talent is overrated 
and Talent Code's another really good resource on that. Where they kind of talk about that after about an hour and 20 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes, your engagement goes down and you can actually have negative gains from uh, overtraining and, you know, kind of mentally not being there. So I'm definitely big on get in, do your work, and get out, you know. They get back to relaxing and being able to, you know, increase your power bar back to where you're going to be excited to train again. And that was something that was kind of a problem for me as I was starting to not really want to train. I was kind of going through the motions. And recently in these last six months with some of the changes I've made, I've been really excited to train. You know, I go to judo class and I'm really excited to do judo. And, you know, same when I wake up to my green strength, I know I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to be more flexible. I'm going to be healthier. So just kind of little, you know, just trying to get 1% out of every session. And I do, yeah, like I said, five, five double days. And it's been really the best for me. Sometimes I'll throw in a Saturday, but most Saturdays, like this morning, I went and had breakfast with my wife. We're going to go uh, up to Portland and have a little kind of day to ourselves up in Portland and just relax. And so I think that that's another piece that's been huge is just making sure I'm relaxing, making sure I'm, I've been adding meditation in just to try to make sure that my recovery is as good as possible too. So, Well, it, it's a very interesting uh, routine you have, and it's, it sounds like you, you're you training very hard. I noticed you said uh, three weeks of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, three days of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, one of wrestling and one of judo. That's two. Uh, your wrestling is that uh, basically for the takedowns? Yeah, I, yeah. I just I have a I have a wrestling coach out here, and just working on you know grappling is grappling. Yeah. I, I really you know I'm not known for my takedowns. I've been you know it's something that I actually read an article uh, in Gracie magazine. They had Holeta, and I'm I've always been a huge Holeta fan. Uh, I know he's kind of an old school guy. If you don't know who Holeta is, you got to check out Holeta on YouTube. He's uh, from, I think, 99 to 2002. He had four world titles in the medium heavy, and he, he finished uh, second in the open class twice. So uh, he's a Hall of Famer and a really amazing. Uh, just the best guard, basically, is kind of what most people uh, know him for. His guard was, he's kind of like, almost like a, Keenan, I feel like, is kind of a new school Holeta. But uh, Holeta, he was saying that basically he always trained his takedowns, even though he might not use them a lot. He would always be training judo. He'd always be trying to train his wrestling. you know. But he just realized he wasn't going to take down maybe solo. So you know, there's always going to be people who are, have strengths than you in different areas. But I still feel like you should be training everything. So for me, wrestling, and again, I, I like training wrestling. I love the feeling of it, I know it adds to my game a lot. Even uh, you know, just the ability to, even if you're a guard player, I think it's important to play to do wrestling because a lot of times you got to finish a single leg, you got you got to come up, and uh, some you know you can you know not get taken down yourself. So there's a lot of reasons I think and to to do to cross train and judo and wrestling are like I said, I love them just in and of themselves, but I know that they really help my game a lot. So. You kind of, I think you kind of hinted at this that you have a coach. But when you go and you train judo and you train wrestling, are you training with different people than when you train uh, BJJ? Yeah, I go up to Portland Judo up in Portland, Oregon, and my coach uh, Andy Hung. He was uh, alternate for the Olympic team uh, a little while ago. And he was the San Jose State captain of the judo team, so he's very legit and he's been helping me with my judo for a long time and just getting comfortable on my feet so i just take a class 
uh, just put on my white belt a few years ago, and I'm a brown belt now. Congratulations. But, you know, awesome. There's a lot of work to do, and I, I just, when I go, I just, I don't try to, I don't try to do jiu-jitsu when I go to judo class. I try to just do judo, and I love it. I love being a student. It kind of is nice, too, because being out here, a lot of times, I don't have a lot of coaching. I have to kind of set up my own training, and that's one thing I've been doing is trying to make it so I, I have to think about my own training as little as possible. So that's one thing. When I go to judo class, I just get to be one of the guys and just train and learn, and I don't have to have the pressure of you know being known for jiu-jitsu or anything like being a competitor or anything like that i just get to kind of be one of the guys one of the faces so yeah i i I try to uh but then when i train with my guys i try one thing i've been training is i'm starting all my feet on all my rounds on the feet recently and so i'll get to train my judo with the guys uh from my academy and i'll obviously kind of share what i'm learning as part of my jiu-jitsu classes we'll usually do at least 10 minutes of judo a day so I'll, i'll i'll mix it in and I noticed you talked about uh, Luke Tyree there in, in green strength, and and I've seen uh, man, he's just doing wonders for everybody. I know he's training you, he's training Raphael and uh, Justin Rader and all you guys, and your guys' conditioning is just off the hook. You just keep bringing it and bringing it and bringing it, and it never get tired. It seems like. Yeah, he's totally changed my game. Uh, being able to match up with him and get linked up, and he's really because I've always been interested in it throughout my career. And I kind of started doing CrossFit when I first was like a blue belt. And that actually helped me a lot compared to doing no conditioning. But then I was doing too much conditioning, I think. Too hard at workouts where it was detracting from my jiu-jitsu. And once I got hooked up with Luke, he just got such a comprehensive view of everything. And he's always trying to learn. And he's really just a black belt in all that stuff. He tries to keep things really simple. And, you know, a lot of the strength stuff, he's just kind of... He's got a very clear mind on a lot of this stuff where it's about longevity, it's about health, and it's about being strong. So it's it's not about trying to do workouts that are potentially dangerous or not necessarily uh, going to be helping for jiu-jitsu. Only do exercises that help jiu-jitsu and doing a lot of things that are very basic, uh, a lot of crawling, a lot of hanging a lot of pull-ups, just a lot of stretching and uh, yoga work. And then obviously, like I said, a lot of kettlebells and uh, deadlifts and things that are very good for jiu-jitsu. But the other thing is he doesn't try to overload us where we're working so much that takes away from the jiu-jitsu. I just feel like when I go down there, uh, I'm lucky because I have a little setup in my my downstairs. So I just get to commute down to the, uh, you know, 50 feet down to my my gym in my in my house to do my green strength in the morning and i know i'm gonna feel healthier and i'm gonna get stronger and so there's pretty much nothing to not like about it you know it's just i i'm gonna be better after every session so he's the man i know he's starting to come up with his plan for uh, a lot of online stuff so keep your eyes peeled for that guys he's he's gonna be uh putting out his content online so all the listeners out there definitely definitely uh, if I, I couldn't uh, recommend Green Strength more, it's really, really changed my whole game. How, I'm just curious, how did you get your relationship started with Rafael Lovato Jr.? He, uh, I actually started training. There's, he has an affiliate up in Seaside, Oregon, which is about two hours away from me here in Salem. And I, uh, Zach, Zach and Nate Adamson, 
Adamson brothers, they're, they're uh, getting to be pretty well known within the community as well. They, uh, I met Zach down at the University of Oregon when we were going to school there, and we started training together in Eugene when I was a white belt, and he was a blue belt. And then he moved back to Seaside, and uh, his brother Nate and him uh, opened their academy, and they met Rafael at a tournament, kind of got to talking with him, and then they had him out for a seminar, and they kind of just connected from there. And one of the times that he came out, they invited me up to train. And I remember it's, it's pretty funny because I, was, I had already won Pan Ams as a purple belt. And I think it was right before – it was either right after Worlds or before Worlds at purple where I, I, I had been having a lot of success and kind of thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm, it's cool. I'm going to get kind of test myself against this black belt world champion, kind of see – where I'm at, and uh, there was definitely some misconceptions about how I thought that role was going to go because, <laughs> yeah, I was humbled, very, very humbled, and I had uh, a lot of years of just being humbled by Rafael and Shanji and Solo and really, really have totally changed everything about my game. And so, yeah, once I, got, once I trained with Rafael – and because I was training with a megaton affiliate and uh, definitely nothing bad to say about those guys. Uh, they definitely really taught me uh, a lot of really good jiu-jitsu. And it just kind of I was at the point where I knew that if I wanted to achieve my goal of being, you know, one of the best, I needed to really be training with someone who was my size. The other thing that attracted me to train with Rafael, too, is that since he was in Oklahoma, he was in kind of a similar situation where he didn't have his instructors with him all the time. And he was still being really successful, and he was having his own, running his academy too, and still had his lifestyle was uh, very similar to what I was trying to do. So it made sense to just connect, and uh, we've been, yeah, good friends ever since. So I think it's been five years now that I've been under him. Awesome. We've talked about uh, who you're training with, how you train. Uh, do you have any competitions coming up here recently or coming up here in the near future or any uh, short-term goals you'd like to share? Yeah, for sure. Last year actually was a really, really busy year. I did 14 competitions last year. Awesome. Yeah, so lots of travel, lots of time away and competing, and I think it was really good for me. I, I was able to – I had a really successful year last year as far as winning a lot of uh, a lot of the – mid-sized tournaments uh and this year is all about the big tournaments so so far this year i've been traveling a lot less really trying to focus on my training because i just feel like the way i have it set up like i said i'm excited to train i know i'm getting better every day stronger more technical more flexible more mentally uh, ready to go for battle and so it's just been more important i think for me to be at home training and learning and teaching and getting my academy to where it needs to be. My wife's about to quit her job to help me run the business full time. So there's a lot of things going on with that. So it's been it's been better to be home. So really, this whole half of the first half of the year has all been focused on worlds. And so Pan Ams was kind of used as like a checkpoint. So I've only done my only tournament I've done this year has been Pan Ams. That's the only trip I've taken. So I'm about to go out to Oklahoma and train with Rafael for Worlds Camp here in uh, a few weeks. And then from there, I'll be at Worlds. After Worlds, there's some different options on what I'm going to do, but I'm really looking forward to ADCC 
and I haven't been invited yet, but I'm doing everything as if I'm going to be invited, and that's 100% my plan that I'll be out there for that. And so those are kind of – this year is kind of taking a step back and just really thinking about trying to take my game to another level on the big stage. So Pan Am's was uh, a good progress check, and so really looking forward to Worlds, and that's kind of every, – everything's focusing on that right now. Yeah. Just to let everybody know that we are recording this on April 25th, 2015, so um, we're a little bit, uh, I guess, talking about the future, but it might have already happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, well, yeah, when this comes out, you'll you'll know how Worlds went, so you'll know how, how the plan came together. We'll do a little time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mentioned um, the book, The Talent Code. And that's one of our favorite authors. We, authors, we actually had him on the podcast a while back and, and interviewed him about jiu-jitsu, yeah. And it was fun because he didn't know anything about jiu-jitsu. So it's, it was like the rare times that we had a, somebody on the show that we could actually beat up if, uh, <laughs> if given the opportunity. Well, I still think he could have probably took this. But, uh. <laughs> but he was a lot of fun to have on the show, and, and he had a lot of insight. And I, he, he, in that book he had, he would go and find areas where there was like a small – area and they had a lot of talent in that area and it was he would go figure out what they were doing differently and you yep. mentioned it with uh, like Lovato like they're they're isolated from everybody else but they're still doing so well and, and so are you how would you what's with that how, how can you explain part of that yeah I, I mean it's definitely something that's always been I mean since I was young like I said been really interested in winning and trying to be the best and all these things and I think that it's been a study of mine just throughout my life. It's like, what are people doing differently? How do I, you know, get as good as I can? And I think that it's definitely a lot of factors that, that go into it. I think, you know, like he's talking about ignition, I think is a huge thing. Like you have to have that spark, that passion, which I think a lot of jiu-jitsu is just kind of naturally that way. But I think having that mastermind where you have other like-minded individuals who are trying to achieve the same goals is huge and trying to really push each other. So maybe you don't have, because I think that a lot of times what I hear is when people kind of have their instructor with them all the time or really access to high level training. I think there's kind of, I think there can be a kind of, uh, people resting on their laurels a little bit where I can train with that person next time or you know maybe I'm not going to go into the gym today whereas if I get a session in and I know Shanji's going to be around for three days and I'm thinking okay how am I going to get the most out of this trip how am I and then when I get the most out of that trip I try to take that home all the things that I learned and then I try to make sure I my plan is based on getting better at the things that we talked about working on things like that but yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's definitely an interesting thing, and I think obviously you see that with different MMA camps and things like that. Is you know, it's not always constant either. You know, you can have a, you can be on top for a while, and then things change because there's more innovation and there's more uh, development in the arts. I think uh, the big thing for jiu-jitsu is just always wanting to stay open to learning and and trying new things and not being real set in your ways necessarily as far as I, I think some martial arts you kind of see like I'm the master and so all the information will be distributed through me instead of with jiu-jitsu what's you know, so unique is that you have the internet and now there's access to such good content 
everywhere. And so I think it's more about just, like I said, getting a group of people who are like-minded and really wanting to do the same things together. I think that's going to be probably the biggest piece of, you know, wanting to, or taking your, your academy to the next level and your, and your group. But I'm definitely trying to build that out here in Salem. I know Oregon's obviously not known for having really good jiu-jitsu, but I know I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up some killers in my youth program and, uh, I know my friends who own academies around the state are, are doing the same. The other Lovato affiliates up here, one is in uh, Eugene with Performance Grappling and one's in Seaside with the Adamson Brothers. And, you know, we're kind of collaborating as much as we can out here. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's probably the million-dollar question is how do you, how do you really get, uh, how do you get to the top? And I think there's a lot of factors. So, You know, you, you talk about uh... – the question how to get to the top and everything and you're talking about how you might only have three days with, with Salo or, or Raphael or somebody and I, I noticed from a lot of people I talk to so they don't forget stuff they, they use a training journal do you use a journal at all in your training yeah it's actually something I've just added this year so I write down I write down my workouts that I get from Luke and then I write down what I've been working on uh, for my for my techniques, whether it's judo or wrestling, jiu-jitsu, just kind of what's my focus. I use it when I when I watch tape as well. So I'm on Raphael's website. It's probably where I get the most of my most content. That's one thing that's really nice for me is being able to basically be connected with Raphael's teaching out here because I can just log onto his website and watch whatever he's doing and uh, improve my game. So that's that's huge. So yeah. do you go back and look at your journal and, 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 and reference that, or is it just a way to keep track and make sure you're doing the right things, or how do you use that? Yeah, I don't review it as much. I, I, I review it kind of thinking about, you know, when's the last time I worked on certain techniques or what sort of, you know, what what weights was I was I using or what how many reps was I able to do of these different exercises. So I kind of track my progress in that way uh, for sure. And I think it's just kind of also to help keep me on track to know that I'm doing the set amount of work that I want to be doing every week. But I think that there's a lot of room for growth. I know there's a few services that have put out journals for jiu-jitsu. I know I've studied some stuff from like triathlons, uh, keeping track of how you slept and what sort of nutrition you had and what your mood's like. I think those are all things I'm really interested in and trying to develop further that I'm kind of playing around with and talking to uh, some of my other um, friends who do jiu-jitsu about. But I think there's a lot of room for growth there. But I definitely started using it, and I, I like it a lot. Well, cool. Um, just I'm just curious, do you have like a – when you compete, before you step on the mat to face your opponent, do you have like a little ritual you do or anything that you, you do to prepare yourself? That's something I think is really important. I think I've kind of developed that as I've gone, what kind of warm-up I like to do, how early I like to get to the tournaments, what sort of music I like to listen to. Uh, all that stuff I think is important because there's so many, you know, there's a lot of factors that you can't control than when you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament. And so I think the more you can try to make that, that's something I've tried to do is try to make that the same Every time I train, you know, try to have that same kind of process, the same visualization, the same uh, warm up every time, and so that way it's 
puts me in that state where I know, okay, I'm, this is, you know, it makes me, I think it calms the nerves because you're used to, you're used to your body and you're, you're so used to doing that routine before you step on the mat for a regular practice that when you do it for a tournament, it's going to f- hopefully help uh, weaken your nerves and make it so that you're, you're more tuned in for, for those matches. I definitely feel like the more, the less I think, the better I do. So the less uh, conscious kind of thoughts I'm having, the more the more my jiu-jitsu just flows and I feel like things really come together for me, the less expectations I have and just kind of embracing the fight and seeing how it develops. So like I said, medita- I, I mentioned it earlier, but meditation has been really big. So I try to do a lot of breathing exercises. And especially when I'm at the tournament, right before I step on the mat, uh, the simplest one I'll do is just I'll just count up to five. So I'll breathe in and breathe out one, breathe in, breathe out two. And so then once you get up to five, then you start back at one. And it's kind of an interesting exercise because a lot of times you'll find yourself counting up to like, you know, you're at like eight or nine and like, well, okay, I got to go back. You know, you'll kind of like yeah. lose your, you'll lose track, yeah. you know, and you just got, okay, I got to dial myself back in and get it back in, in, uh, in the zone. So I, I like that one a lot. If you haven't, if you haven't done any meditation, that's the easiest way I think to get into it. You you mentioned uh, twice now uh, about a zone. You said um, you enjoyed playing basketball, and it had similar to jiu-jitsu because when you're playing and it's the heat of the moment, you're just playing basketball and you're in the zone. You don't think about it. You just you're just playing basketball, and it just happens. And then you get this similar uh, feeling in jiu-jitsu when things are going well for you, and uh, you're just your moves are working. You're not having to concentrate. You're just you're just doing what you want to do, and everything's going your way. Uh, do you have a? I mean. I guess that would be a, a really hard question, how to get to that zone, um, or does um, this meditation help get you there, you think? Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if uh, you're familiar with the book Flow, but I've been really interested in like flow states and that sort of idea where you're kind of losing track of time. They say, you know, you're so engaged with what you're doing that you're not thinking about anything else, and I think that's kind of what we're touching on is that when you get into that place and uh, recently I feel like I've been getting there a lot during training and you know at the Pan Ams I felt like I was there in a lot of my matches where it was just kind of flowing and just happening and I was just in the moment and so yeah I think that getting there I mean on a consistent basis I think has to do with I think again the preparation and like we're talking about having those routines that kind of set you up for it and I think that takes a lot of time to kind of tinker with and I think that's different for everyone and I've kind of had to uh, figure that out for myself but I think yeah the meditation is definitely I think a huge part of that because I think it just kind of prepares your mind to just be open and not kind of thinking about I think when I was younger I was too concerned about winning instead of and I think trying to finish really fast and not really being, you know, how, I was just thinking about the gold medal instead of thinking about how I was going to, you know, be in the, in the moment in each match and let it develop and just kind of unfold because each match is kind of its own story, you know? And so I think being open to that and just not having too much expectations or uh, things that you think are going to happen, yeah, the, the, the more likely you are to get into that zone from my experience at least. So uh, we have a great opportunity here with you on the show, having competed so much and done so well. Um, if you have 
one of your students going to do their first tournament, what advice would you give them uh, during the training phase of the of the getting ready for the tournament? Yeah, the training. You know, I think a lot of it, and that's one one thing that I've read that I think is huge is just trusting trusting in your training. That if you if you go into a tournament and you think that you know your training isn't the best or you haven't you haven't put out all the effort that you can, I think that's gonna definitely get in your head. So the more I think you can just try to, I always try to tell my students, focus on what you're going to do. Cause I think it's easy to focus on what they're going to do. You know, what if they do this or that? No, you want to think I'm going to come out. I'm going to get the, I want to, these are the grips I'm looking for. I'm going to pull guard. These are the positions I like. Then try to get to your positions, try to get to where your strengths are going to be, uh, at your your disposal because you don't want to let the fight happen where you're letting them get the fight going and you're kind of being more reactive. I think the more you can try to put your sequences together and get to where you want to be, the better it is. The main thing I try to stress with all my students who are just competing is, and it's really cliche by now, but it's just have fun and learn. You know, it's because it's hard, but when you listen to a lot of the stories about the best guys, you know, Adolfo or Bishesha, a lot of these guys you hear like how, you know, I, I would lose. I think I read something from Bushesha where he said he lost like his first eight tournaments where he like lost in the first round, you know, and jitsu's a sport where perseverance is king. You know, if you want to be better than yeah. people who are around you at jitsu, keep doing jitsu. And enough of and a lot of them are probably going to not keep doing it. You know, that's the easiest way to ensure being really good is to just keep doing it. And so I try not to put too much pressure on them as far as results. And one thing that I really like, and one thing I've adapted is after I do practices, my practices, and after tournaments, is a little thinking exercise where you write down three things that were positive and one thing you want to work on. And I try to do that no matter. So if you win. Uh, like I had a, a one of my f- students did their first tournament, one of my teens, and she won all six of her matches in under two minutes by submission. So you're thinking like, well, there's nothing to work on, wow. but that's definitely not true, you know. So there's lots to work on. And then I had another one of my students do his first tournament, and he was one of my teens, and he lost all three of his matches. But you know, so then it, but then the same thing. Well, what are three things that went well? What's one thing you want to work on? Because otherwise, you can get. I think that's something that makes it so that you're in that same zone where you're you're thinking positively, you're trying to frame things positively, and then you're always thinking, what can I do to improve? And I think otherwise, I think in jiu-jitsu, the highs can be too high and the lows can be too low, where you could, you know, and really the difference between winning six matches in under two minutes and losing all three, you know, losing six matches like that is the level of competition. And so, you know, there's going to be people that you fight that you're going to be more prepared to beat. And it might not meet, you know, and if you kind of think you don't want to let that make it so that you're going to take the foot off the accelerator. You know, I think you want to just stay with your routines. How can I get things be- make things better? And these are the things that went really, really well. And this is the one thing I want to work on, because otherwise I think you can start digressing into a lot of negative areas if it's the day where you lose and then. I suck and 
you know, because then those things start manifesting in your training, and then that's when people start getting down on themselves and not wanting, you know, then quitting is an option where it's like that can't be in your mind, you know? Yeah, you know what I really like about what you're saying, the, the part on, you know, focus on what you're going to do. The key to get better is persistence, you know, which is all up to you. And it's it's funny, well, not funny, but we had just been talking with uh, uh, Jared Dopp, and he had a quote, and it was basically, uh, you know, it's up to you. Don't be looking for the shortcuts. Just focus on yourself. And and we were listening to that, and then, uh, you know, your teammate here, and then you're coming back with the same stuff. I was just like, no wonder you guys are all so successful. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's definitely yeah. Again, you're, you're you're trying to link up with guys who are on that same wave, wavelength as you, and trying to push themselves. And I know Dop, like I said, Dop's one of my favorite favorite guys. I have a lot of admiration for Dop because I've done a lot of training with Dop, and you know, thinking about how he's done recently, and you know how fast he's gotten better, and his performance at ACC, and you know, he's a guy that is going to be one of the real greats in the sport, and. He's uh, definitely in that same boat. I think, you know, mentally we, we definitely click on a lot of those things. And a lot of that comes from Raphael's obviously connected with all that and him being our coach. But I, I definitely think that the biggest thing that I've come to understand recently is that you can't try to live someone else's journey. You know, you don't want to be – and I think it's just a life lesson. You know, you don't want to be looking at – how you know oh that person won this tournament you know that or you know are they better than me or that that sort of idea where you're i don't know i've been i've been i've thought about that stuff in the past where it's like i want to win as many medals as fast as possible and i want to get my black belt as fast as possible and all those sort of things and you know you if you i think if you're looking at other people uh and how they're progressing you know, everyone's got a different story. Everyone has different strengths and weaknesses, different life circumstances, and you have to embrace where you're at. You know, I have students who, I wish I started when I was ten or something. Yeah, that's not that's not a really productive <laughs> thought when you're forty because back, you know that's not how this whole experience works. We can only try to get better from the point that we're at. Yeah. So you're not when you say something like that, you're not embracing your journey. You know that energy's lost, wishing something to happen that there's no possibility it can. So you know instead, think about trying to be the most, you know, the, the have the best training and do the best you can as a master three or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. One other thing I was just thinking of too is, you know, you're you're talking about the people you've you've looked up to or watched you know you're talking hall of famers and the heroes and mentioning names and i was just thinking here probably in a year or two we're going to be just hearing uh dop and Popolo. it was just, you know it just made me start thinking i was like you know you guys are killing it um you guys are phenomenal and just incredible and uh, it's like uh it'll be funny a couple of years from now and it'll just be i don't know you guys are really basically at the top now and i just see you even just getting better and better well yeah i mean it's definitely um, you know, we're trying to trying to push it as far as we can and trying to take it take it to the top for sure. And I, I feel like I have the best coaches in the world, you know, and good training partners like like Dop and uh, some of my some of my guys out here. And you know, I just feel like recently that's kind of like I think the biggest realization I had after Pan Am's is I have a team of you know at least a dozen people who are helping me. You know, I have Luke for conditioning. I have. Uh, Rob Nahar, who's working on all my flexibility stuff. I have a, 
a chiropractor and uh, he's kind of a physical therapist. Marcus Cool, he helps me with all my recovery stuff. I have Raphael, I have Shanji, Salo. You know, my wife does a has a huge uh, part in my obviously my business and helping me and all the recovery stuff. I have people who help me with business. You know, it, it's really. You know, I have my assistants who, who help me teach and run these classes and a supportive academy that, you know, there's just, I have this huge team of people who are helping me and, and I just keep knowing that if I'm putting in the work, uh, we're going to keep getting results. And, you know, like I said, I think having the, you know, the, I just think that with Solo and Raphael and Shanji, I, I want to prove that they are, you know, not only the best, you know, some of the best jiu-jitsu fighters that they're some of the best jiu-jitsu coaches. And so... You know, my, my, my goal and my plan is to definitely, yeah, be one of, be one of those Hall of Famers and, and really try to, to, to hit the top. So we'll, uh, we'll see, but I definitely feel like everything's coming together right now. That's cool. It sounds like you have an amazing team of uh, support there with you. Uh, do you have any sponsors you want to thank? Yeah, for sure. That's the other thing. Got lots of, lots of people who are helping me on that end. Uh, I'm Origin. Uh, it's, they sponsor me for all my all my gear, and they, t- they take really good care of me. All their stuff's American-made in Maine. I've been out to the factory a couple times now, and just really, really good group of people and just trying to make a, the best gear possible. And I think if you look at a lot of the innovations and some of the videos that they post of the work, it's, it's, it's really inspired. And definitely, I, di- I didn't know that you could have a human being. Pete Roberts runs all their stuff, and... and I don't know if anyone could be possibly thinking about the gi like he is, you know, all the different ways that he's tried to make it better. So Origin's been huge. Uh, obviously, Green Strength, Luke Tyree for all that. Uh, elite Flexibility, Rob Nahar, making sure that I'm getting more flexible every day. Uh, Iron Lion Soap, they've been uh, a new sponsor, but, man, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't shower without their soap now. It's like... <laughs> The best part of the day is like washing off all the training, and they got some really cool stuff. That uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of of, the, of their soap. So check out Iron Lion Soap if you haven't yet. And uh, yeah, I'm, I hope there's not people I'm forgetting. Portland Judo, um, Derek Bartlemy, my wrestling coach. There's yeah, lots of people like I said who are out there helping me. So thank you. Yeah, we'll put uh, links to those on the show notes and on the website as well. And cool. uh, James, how could some of our listeners get a hold of you if they have any questions or would like to uh, follow you or anything of that sort? Yeah, the best way is on Facebook. So I have my my Facebook fan page, James Popolo BJJ. So it's uh, and then Popolo, yeah, it's P U O P O L O. So uh, that's the best way. I, I do. I kind of post there the most. I also have Instagram, which is uh, J R Popolo. So you can check me out there. But, uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate all the support that I've received from the jiu-jitsu community. Lots of people, I think, kind of uh, hopefully relate to the story just because I, I didn't start jiu-jitsu until I was older and uh, I, I had a full-time job and all those sort of things and going to school and trying to, you know, basically claw my way to the top. So, yeah, we're still on the way, but I'm, I'm 28 and I feel like physically I've never been healthier and never been stronger, never been more mentally prepared and so I really feel like right now you know this year is all about kind of assembling all of the supplies at base camp and now we're we're making the 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 uh long walk to the summit is 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 the plan so well cool and it's going to be fun to keep up with you as you uh do that 
Yeah, and we really appreciate you taking the time, uh, coming down to our show, and uh, dropping knowledge on us. So thank you very much there, James. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Definitely uh, fun, fun to talk to you guys. And, uh, yeah, look forward to, to being on in the future. Hopefully, uh, after winning some of these big tournaments, let's get together again. Oh, definitely. We'd <laughs> love that. Absolutely. <laughs> You you uh, you've made us laugh and you made us think. So uh, you're welcome back anytime, James. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I appreciate it. All right, that wraps up our interview with James Popolo. Uh, I want to thank him again for hopping on the line with us and uh, entertaining us and educating us and hopefully doing the same for you guys. Yeah, we had a great time. Very informative. We learned a lot. We we shared knowledge. Uh, we gained knowledge from him, and, and we had some laughs. Good time. Yeah, and he's he's a super active competitor. So. Uh, swing by his Facebook page and, and like it and uh, keep up with him and, and watch him as he gets out there and, and uh, does his thing there. It's, uh, he's a lot of fun to have uh, have on the show, Gary. Definitely. Next week we have an interview with a couple of the athletes from Submission Series Pro, the Takeover. It's a submission-only event in Canada. It's on June 20th. Uh, so uh, check us out next week. We've got uh, got more than one uh, interview coming up, guys. Two interviews for the price of one. You can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to see how the event's coming around and, 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 and what's happening with the Submission Series uh, events that are up there in Canada. Yeah, so definitely tune in next week. Uh, uh, like, us, like Byron said, we, we had an interview before, before their, one of the Submission Series before. Uh, if I remember right, too, it was uh, streamed on... Uh, is that correct? Yeah, they, it's on. Yeah, you, can, you can go by and watch the old that. ones too. Still. Yep. Yep. So, uh, uh, very fun thing to check out there. Yeah, there's some, there some great. Yeah, some great matches last time, man. It, it was uh, a lot of fun to watch that. Um, we do have a email list if you have trouble keeping up with us. Uh, swing by the website beachagerbrick.com or on the Facebook page. You can sign up for the email list by putting in your name and uh, email. And you get an email every Tuesday that kind of keeps you up at what's going on with the podcast. And definitely, I know we talked about it earlier, but don't forget about the uh, Byron's, I'm sorry, our Byron's audiobook. Uh, it's only $11.99, a roadmap for your first year of jiu-jitsu. Check it out. Uh, definitely be helpful. Yeah, Gary, if you were to make an audiobook, what would it be about, man? Dogs. Dogs? Yeah, dogs. Or the Kimura. <laughs> is and it, how impossible it is to Kimura a dog? You can Kimura a dog. Oh. I, it's been done. It's been <laughs> people do it all the time. Actually, to be honest, I, I roll my dogs all the time. I put Kimuras on them. Uh, it may not bend like our arm, but you can still Kimura. You can sweep off of that. Yeah. What I like to do is I like to sweep. I'll get the hook in. I'll sweep and go straight to side mount, but I'll keep the underhook. So we're, really, dogs. Uh, Dogs can get pretty good. Yeah. Dogs do like wrestling around if you get the right kind of dog. If you get the right kind of dog. I tell you, it's very hard when the dog knows how to back out to guillotine a dog. Like most of the dogs I've put guillotines in would just back right out because they don't have a chin. They don't have a chin, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What they what they lack in chin, they make up for in nose. Yes, definitely. Not quite myself. I have both, I guess. But uh <laughs> 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 and they're actually hard to get full mount on because the way their body is, they're normally on their side. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Just kind of turn to the side always. Yeah, I, it's hey, hard to get mount points. I got a, a dog story, Gary. Okay, let's hear Since it. We're wrapping up the show here. I might as well share a story. This is about two months ago. Um, <clears throat> I was at work uh, making a a, a, a medical call, 
uh, I think it was on a like on a child or a baby, which was everything. Everybody was okay. So, but we didn't know they'd get in there. So we get there. I you know come hurrying up to the door, and I got my medical gloves on. I got the bag on my shoulder, and and uh, I look at at the person and the baby's you know they're holding the baby and the baby's crying so that's good you know like yeah yeah, yeah the baby gets crying that's that's a good step and it's it's one of those houses that you walk in and then there's stairs immediately down to the basement like right in front of you and then the living room is off to the right and i looked down the stairs and there's a great dane who oh. is angrily bolting up the stairs and i have like literally nowhere to go and a sick sick baby i want to look at <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> and it, it was just like sheer luck that I, because uh, I definitely didn't want to deal with this dog. But uh, there was a toddler gate at the top of the stairs. And I just, and there's no way it would have held back any kind of a dog. But I closed the gate and I latched that puppy. And, uh, and the dog respected the gate. You know, you could tell that Not he had boy. been in trouble before for busting down the gate. And uh, and he angrily stayed on that side of the of the gate and and, and barked at me and growled and stuff. But uh, I was like, "Whoa, that was that was kind of a little intense." <laughs> second and a half that a toddler gate saved my butt, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say, especially with a <laughs> big old great dane coming at you. <sighs> but uh, unexpected to see that coming up the stairs at me, and then uh, you know, you do the only one thing that uh, I had available was the, a toddler gate. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of a, a weird one. Well, I'm glad one. you made it out alive, Bart. Well, thanks, Gary. I got yeah. one guy rooting for me. Yeah, because I think the, the podcast would be done. You're the one who does all the work. You can so, still do uh, updates on the Facebook page and and, uh, and let everybody know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, even if I do survive that sort of thing, my good looks will be even more subtle, you know, harder to detect. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true right there. So uh, I don't, it's definitely not a compliment to say somebody has subtle good looks, but uh, – but Gary, we're we're at the point where we have, I think we have subtle good looks. You know, if you look long enough, you might notice something. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, if you've enjoyed the show, we would definitely like to hear uh, your thoughts on a review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio or anywhere else you could write a review. Uh, we we definitely enjoy uh, reading those. And if you could make it funny or humorous in any any way, there's lots of quality examples of funny reviews on iTunes. Uh, we'd really like that as well. Yeah, and I do want to make a note. Byron said, anywhere you can write a review, we'd like it. Not necessarily. We do not want you to deface public property by writing reviews as graffiti. We yeah. do not want anybody to get in trouble. We do not condone that. Yeah, we had that problem back in the in earlier episodes, and uh, yeah. we don't we don't want that, that to kick up again. Yeah, we don't. You know, we. Uh, I think we're being watched by the FBI now because of that, but... We're, listened to by we're, the FBI. We've been doing good. We're, we're being listened to by the FBI, but most of those guys do jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, yeah, they pull guard a lot. <laughs> they do pull guard a lot. So, uh, Gary and I, I'm, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm moving, but I'm still in Wichita, and so is Gary. So, so if you come through town, Byron may not be totally moved yet, but uh, you can still get in contact with us, and we'd love to uh, train with you. Absolutely. Hit us up on the email or Facebook, and uh, we'll try to uh, schedule some time to hit the mats, my friends. Yeah, and don't be afraid to to uh, talk to us and you know train with us. I mean, some people I think might be afraid now since Byron talked about our subtle good looks. <laughs> they'll be a little afraid that they won't be able to live up to our standards. But um, I think Byron's. Uh, uh, I don't think we do have subtle good looks. Well, Byron <laughs> might, but I don't. 
You, you, well, you maybe you just have regular good looks. I don't even know about that. See, the subtle good looks means that you don't notice it right away. It, like you have to kind of pay attention to see that. Oh, oh yeah, maybe, but you know, it's definitely not a compliment to say yeah. somebody has that. So don't be afraid to train with us. We're uh, we're a couple ugly grapplers, <laughs> but we do have a good time and we do like to grapple. That's true. All right. Well, we'll catch you next week, my friends. Take care. We appreciate you listening. And stay sweaty. And don't forget to shower. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.